Elrod, we are live from Princeton University. So exciting. I've never been here before. It, well, yeah, I've been here once or twice, but it's a beautiful campus. And um, we are here uh, at the Chef Action Summit, which is hosted by the James Beard Foundation. Um, the James Beard Foundation has been around for 30 years, and um, you know, it's been about highlighting the centrality of food culture in our daily lives. And um, this week, and this week, and these few days is a lot, is a lot about um, chef, chefs and their advocacy on issues that they care about. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, I think, you know, we were talking a lot about this, but there is a lot of overlap, I think, in many interesting ways between the life of a chef and a lot of like the life of a, pol uh, a political operative. Uh, I think there's a lot of politics that go on in the kitchen, but there's also, um, you know, a lot of uh, ways that um, chefs have become advocates on important issues such as SNAP, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, nutrition issues. And we're just happy to be here because we're looking forward to talking to some really incredible advocates and some incredible chefs. Yeah. Tiffany Derry, come on down. Come on. You are the next contestant on the electables. Hello, hello, hello. I think we're I think we're running a little late. I know you guys are all tired, but I'm sorry. We will we will get through this. That was great, Catherine. That was great. Yeah, Appreciate amazing, that. Amazing, Catherine. Thank you. So, Tiffany, I feel like you don't need much of an introduction to this crowd, but for our podcast listeners, I'm going to go through your quick bio. You're the owner of Roots Chicken Shack, Roots Southern Table, Dairyware, and Tiffany Dairy Concepts. Tiffany Dairy Concepts, a company established to support dairy's business and culinary ventures. Uh, you gained international notoriety, which of course is when I first learned of you on the seventh season of Bravo's Top Chef, woohoo! And you were you were a finalist on Top Chef All Stars. Um, you still have a recurring role as a top junior chef on Universal Kids Network. Tiffany sits on the James Beard Foundation's Impact Advisory Board, as well as the Food Policy Action Board of Directors, and acts as an ambassador for the Beard Foundation's Food Waste Initiative. She frequently travels to foreign countries as a culinary ambassador to the United States. So Ter uh, Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. So I'm just going to kick off the first question. Very simple. What made you decide to be a chef? Oh, that is not a short answer. Well, um, my family's from Baton Rouge, Port Allen, Louisiana, and um, food's always been very big in our family. You know, we had farms, we cooked at home. I am a Southern girl, and eventually we moved to Beaumont, Texas. So when I say large family, I mean 11. There's 11 uncles and aunts, and my mom grew up with like a single parent, and so everyone cooked. Um, soon after, I got a chance to work at IHOP when I was 15. And uh, when I went in, they said no girls were allowed in the kitchen. And I really wanted to cook. But at the time, I didn't realize what was going on. So I was like, well, what do you have available? I'll take that. So I started serving and then um, moved into the kitchen one day when someone didn't show up and they needed me. And then they realized, oh, my gosh, she's really loud and she talks a whole lot. She's perfect for expo. <laughs> um, so um, I, I did that. And pretty much from that moment on, I never really left the restaurant, really left the kitchen, um, went to culinary school, had a chance to study abroad. And that kind of became the mission every year to get out of the country, stay a few weeks and study. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of kept going. 
What, what's it like in a, a kitchen? I mean, I, you know, I, 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 what, what's it like? What's the culture like? What's the, what's the environment like in terms of being a chef inside where you have sous chefs and you've got a number of, I mean, you know, you've got a lot of people in there having different roles. It's a lot like a baseball team. Everyone has to do their own job, you know, has a role that they have to play in order to have a functioning kitchen so that um, the restaurant's successful. You guys are the backbone of the restaurant, right? And so I just, you know, we we talk a lot about what it, you know, what's it like to be on a campaign and take people behind the curtain of a campaign. But I'd love to know, like, inside of a kitchen of a restaurant, what is that vibe like? What's that environment like? I want you to imagine a tornado. <laughs> and then in the eye, you have the chef. And that is the person that has to deal with all of the destruction that's happening around, right? All the crazy servers, all the front of the house, all the guests with all the special requests in the moment of having, you know, all of the tickets that's down to the floor, right? Um, and then not only that, you have to deal with personalities, right? So like cooking, that's the easy part. We, we cook all day. We can cook in our sleep. In fact, I mean, there are challenges where we have to cook blindfolds, which is stupid. Um, but um, I mean, that's the easy part, managing people is a little bit more difficult. The personalities, right? All day, yeah. you know, though everyone, there are certain folks that come in with attitudes. They come in with the weight of whatever they were dealing with when they were outside the restaurant. You know, oftentimes I say, take the backpack off, leave that at the door, and you can pick that back up when you walk out of this restaurant. But for now, we're all gonna be here, we're gonna be focused, and that's hard to walk in every day with that kind of dedication even for myself, right? You know, every day I have to mentally get back to where I need to be. I need to be sourcing. I need to make sure that the restaurant is having the marketing that needs to happen. I need to make sure the food is right every course. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that chefs deal with, but every kitchen is a little different. You know, some restaurants, there is a little bit more craziness going on and some there is a little more calmness to it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think on a campaign, in many ways, most campaigns aren't as big as presidential campaigns. Most campaigns are small. You know, they're in these, you know, cramped bullpens. You've got 15, 20 people in a space that should be the, you know, room for 10 people. Um, everyone's on top of each other. You know, you're working. Nobody takes the garbage out. No and one takes it. It smells really bad. Right. You know, it, you're dealing with people, in a, you know, who are, you know, they're not getting any sleep. They're eating poorly. Wow. Um, Sounds like the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a lot of similarities. And and I think that there's a lot of pressure too, you know, and like a lot, you, there are a lot of snap decisions that have to be made in a campaign war room um, that you know you, you don't have a whole lot of time to think things through. You just got to make you know got to make a call. Sure, is that I think kind of most of us are are most likely just doers, right? In my everyday life, they tell me, Tiff, slow down. You're not in a kitchen, right? Like, you give me a problem. I'm going to give you an answer and a solution. And I'll tell folks, you know, don't come up to me with a problem if you don't already have some type of solution. And that's just how it works, right? In the restaurant, something happens, we put out that fire, we move on. There's a thousand things going on, and we have to be everywhere at the same time. And we always have to be at the top of our game. Because guess what? There are tons of restaurants down the street where our guests can go. So we want to make sure that they always come to us. I mean, of course, Monday they can go there, but you know, as long as Thursday, Friday, they come. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but you know, you really have to be everywhere at 
the same time, you have to empower others, but even in the empowering of others to do their job, you still have to be on top of them, making sure that it's happening. So switching gears a little bit here, Tiffany, I know you've been an advocate for um, a number of policy issues on Capitol Hill, um, in particular SNAP funding. Can you talk a little bit about why that issue has been important to you? Like, why do you feel it's worth your time? I mean, you're, you're obviously so busy. I can imagine you taking three days to come to Washington and walk the hills, halls of Congress and advocate for an issue, but tell me why it's important for you and why it was so worth your time to like leave your restaurant, leave your tornado kitchen, and come to Washington to advocate for a policy issue, especially SNAP funding. Woo, child. Let me tell you what. Uh, that, swamp to the swamp. Woo, uh, that was interesting my very first time. You know, my first time, I was so nervous out of my mind. And my daddy has a saying for me. He says, Tiffany, she's like a duck. On the surface, she looks calm and collected, but underneath, those legs are going. And in my head that day, I was like, what if I don't say the right words? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? I had been through some training, and in the policy, you know, we talk about in the boot camp how to approach, what to say. It wasn't like I was going out there blind, but, you know, you walk up and you're like, this isn't my life. Like, what am I doing here? And uh, the first person that I met with um, I realized that it was just a conversation. It was, they were no different than me. Um, you know, yes, they studied in their particular field, but we were just talking about what matters to me and my community and who I represent. And it just became a conversation. And so I think once I took the pressure out of, off of myself that everything had to be perfect and that the words, you know, the, the way that they talk and move is different. You know, I'm just a Southern belle. I'm just a cook, you know? Amen. So it was just, uh, it was different, but I enjoyed it because it mattered to me. And there was a passion, you know, whenever we would talk about the SNAP program. SNAP programs fed a lot of us, um, a lot of my family members. I mean, my aunt fed all of us. And so that was important that we got that money um, to be able to do that. And a lot of the food bill we talked about as well. So that was my other thing that I really, really loved was the waste component. I really wanted to see what can I do um, within my community to impact and so that we can reduce waste. Hearing the numbers just blew my mind. You know, 40% of the food grown in the country is waste. It's crazy. That's insane. I mean, when one in six are hungry, how can we be throwing away food and then having folks hungry? And so the more I dug into that, the more I studied, and um, it just became a part of my everyday. So when folks would come to the restaurant, it was a way for me to talk about some of the things that was going on and why we use certain things from the garden, why we didn't throw away the cauliflower, why we didn't throw away the cauliflower leaves and use the stems and you know all of those things that sometimes become second nature when you're cooking at home, um, showing them how to do that. How does your advocacy on these issues manifest itself in the actual restaurant? I mean, are you using, how do you advocate or, or are you advocating in the restaurant? You have to. I mean, I feel once you go out and you learn, so we have, we can say that we're naive. In fact, we don't know what's happening. But once you start seeing the staggering numbers of what's really going on, um, and then you realize that, I don't have to tackle all of this in this moment. I just have to do my part. And if my part is making sure that others know that information, empowering them, giving them recipes, because a lot of people just don't know where to start, um, that one person takes that information and they share with their family. And it just needs to continue. You just can't do nothing. 
Uh, and so for me, it just took, okay, one step at a time. I'm not gonna look at this crazy number of ways, um, but I'm just gonna look at what I do right now in my restaurant. And I'm gonna share that information and show others what they can do and hopefully other chefs will start doing it. And then I get a lot of calls of like, okay, this composting thing, right? You know, um, what do we go with it? What am I doing with this? And so it just became an empowering moment. So Tiffany, we um, interviewed on our podcast a couple months ago, Amy Brandwine is in the audience here. And Joanna James, who is a filmmaker who, um, great, everybody knows the, the, the film, um, a fine line where she really gets into some of the difficult issues that um, restaurant owners have to face, especially her mother, who was a single mother, um, raised her children and also owned a restaurant that she worked at, you know, like a dog all the time. And was so passionate about her family and so passionate about, about the restaurant, but also was trying to juggle two big jobs, right? Um, and one of the issues that Joanna really gets into in the documentary is the issue of paid family leave or just family leave in general. If you have a child, you know, taking off work for three months, of course, is, is required by law, but you're not required to pay that person. Have you had those challenges where you've tried to feel, figure out how to, you know, be a good boss and allow your employees to take the time they need, whether it's caring for an elderly parent, caring for a sick child? you know, having, you know, your, your first child and, and being at home with that child while also trying to make sure that you're balancing the needs of your restaurant. I mean, yours, it's a small business, right? So how do you face those challenges as a small business owner with your employees? Every day, we're still trying to figure it out, right? You know, as a small restaurant, um, we just don't always have the finances available to give people what they deserve when it comes to taking time off to be able to do the things in life that the show must go on with. Um, so for me, we've set out, we've set apart different um, amounts that we sometimes use um, to help, um, but it's definitely not enough to survive, you know, and I think that's what we have to figure out, a way where we can give proper insurance, we can give proper things that's needed for our employees, but at the same time, we don't take our business under. So if I gave everyone, um, you know, pay time off to, you know, have their child and have that proper three months, um, it would be very difficult for my restaurant to continue to work. So those are some of the things that we're still working on. And I don't think there's a, an answer that works for all restaurants. It depends if you're more, you have a more of a corporate structure, if you're kind of more of a mom and pop, you know, you're still figuring it out. Um, when you get a few restaurants, it's a little bit easier to put aside certain amounts of money, but when you're one and you're trying to make it work day to day with labor and food costs going up and sourcing, it becomes very difficult. But it's something that we have to keep on the forefront. Social media obviously has become a tool that um, activists uh, have embraced to spread their message, engage, motivate, activate, turn out folks. Um, are you using social media in that way? Master <laughs> Chef TD? <laughs> yes, I, I do a lot of social media. On Instagram media. and Twitter. I, I use a lot of social media. I think it's important. I think that it's a way to tell the story. Um, and also, it's a chance for me to reach audiences that maybe sometimes haven't been following when my followers share or post or talk about. Um, and it's a great way to talk about policy. You know, so you don't always want to write it on your menu and, and preach it to every person that's coming into your restaurant who just simply wants to eat some great food. Exactly. Um, but when they follow you on social media, now you have a chance to be able to tell that story. And do you feel like you needed to create a, um, 
uh, like an on-ramp for your customers who were following you because they just loved your food, um, but they didn't really know about the activism part of you and what you were fighting for and that they're, you know, that when you sort of, when you talked about some of the issues you cared about, you know, was there, did you find some of your customers who were like, ah, I don't want to hear this? And, and did you have to create a pathway for them to feel comfortable with them? Like, did you sort of ease into delivering message on your social media channels or did you just go dive in? Right I'm an all-in type of person. Uh, I just, there were people who said, you know, you should just stick to the kitchen. Right. Um, pretty much like you hear with ball players, right? You should just right. play. Um, but that's not what we're here to do, you know? If I don't say anything, then how am I helping? And so I just have to remember the purpose at the end of the day. And one person saying something horrible or mean is not going, there's hundreds that are, okay, I didn't know that. Thank you for the information. Where can I find more? Um, and so I just oftentimes just go back to that. I'm like, okay, well, you don't want it. You can leave my page if you want. But um, <laughs> no, you know, it's just important to keep spreading the message. We can't give up because we don't get the results we want right away. Um, especially, that's one of the things I learned, even with that farm bill, I mean, it's just the amount of time and the dedication and the going back and just continuing to push the issue. Um, it just shows that after, after all, you know, if you keep going, there'll be something. A little bit of light. Sometimes just a little bit of light is all you need to keep you going. Yep, yep. Amen to that. So, Tiffany, one final question that is not policy related. What's the what is the favorite dish, the most favorite dish that you make at one of your restaurants? Um, we're known for duck fat fried chicken. Oh, and uh, I absolutely love sandwiches. So I'm going to go with the spicy bird, uh, kimchi mayo, uh, which is fermented sauce we do, and uh, kale and mustard greens that are fresh lettuce. And that duck fat fried chicken that's crispy on a sweet okay, potato bun. Okay, I'm getting on bun. a plane tomorrow, and I'm flying down. Call me. And I'm ordering one of those.